sometimes the harsh advice is to lift you up and you have to know the difference between somebody like who's just trying to hate on you and be like oh you shouldn't do that because they will feel inadequate if you do it or if they're telling you you shouldn't do that because you really shouldn't do that and they have your best intentions at heart. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I am your host, Rosie Acosta, yoga teacher and teacher trainer, mindfulness coach, speaker, and creative writer. I am also the founder of radicallyloved.com, a website where you can go for more information about yoga, mindfulness, meditation, and lifestyle advice. On this podcast, we talk to people within our health and wellness community that are creating content through the ritualistic practice of yoga, meditation, or overall mindful living. We hope to create value in your life so that you can achieve your highest potential and live a radically loved life. To stay in touch with us, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rosie Acosta and on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie. You can sign up for our newsletter on radicallyloved.com to stay up to date on future workshops, retreats, and latest podcasts. Earl Watson is an American professional basketball coach and former player in the NBA. He played college basketball for the UCLA Bruins. I first met Earl when he was coaching the Phoenix Suns, and we quickly hit it off. We talked all things yoga, and from that moment, I knew that Earl was special and that he was a serious yoga practitioner. His gorgeous fiance, Joy Taylor, is an American radio personality and television host. Joy is also an avid yogi and is also serious about her practice. I was really excited to chat with both of them together in my living room, so you'll have to excuse the sound as my microphone was really low. And uh, yeah, so we just did the best with what we had. It was really great to have a conversation with both of them. We talked about their upbringing and their connection to yoga as a spiritual practice. And they also shared the different hurdles that they've overcome, getting to understand each other more and having a practice that is all about inner reflection and being open and aware. I'm so excited to share this beautiful conversation with all of you. Here is Earl Watson and Joy Taylor. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Radically Loved Radio. And we're in my living room. And I know that you guys can always tell when I'm recording in my living room. So I'm already just giving that disclaimer. Uh, I'm being joined by two plus one entourage (laughs) individuals. We've got Earl Watson and Joy Taylor in the house, and I'm so honored and excited to have them here and to talk about all things yoga and life and just cultivating your highest potential and just whatever we decide to have a conversation about as we have tea. Welcome. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want to mess up your, your uh, oh, no, no, no. intro. No, that's fine. So I'm excited to have you guys, and, and you guys obviously now know a little bit of background of me and, and who I am and what I do. And so I think the first question, and I like to ask this to the people that are on it, and I'd like you both to answer individually, is what do you feel... No. How do you feel the most free? Hmm. How do I feel the most free? Um, I feel, I think I feel the most free when um, I'm having a laugh with someone that I like love or care about. Um, I think, you know, life is really 
hard in general and there's a lot of pressures and stresses and you know we live in Los Angeles so there's traffic and then there's you know just all this stuff going on and it's I think like when for me like when guards are down and you're just like enjoying the like presence or the communication with someone that you care about and you're able to like like get on the same page in the same wavelength with uh with like laughter to me is when I feel like all all guards are down all anxieties are lifted for whatever that moment is that's that to me is just that's what pops in my mind right now anyway I think for me it's like harmonious vibes it's like when you can create in an environment that's full of synergy and harmony and you know there's no there's endless like enlightenment and flow of conversation communication or just kind of literal gifts that you can give to each other that take you to visual levels. Like you can you can talk about something and, and vibe so high that you almost feel like you're there, but you're just in the in the living room, in the front room. And that's when I feel the most the most free when creativity is at its highest frequency. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Those are really great answers. I I always love when people have these in-depth answers like you guys had, and I rarely hear well, you know, when everything is going right in my life or when I get the yes answer or, you know, things that I think we think of on a daily basis that, oh, this is what's going to help us feel free, like having financial security, all those things, like, of course, make us feel free. But at the end of the day, I think it's so much bigger than that, you know. So I'd like to hear from you guys, especially because I know that you both have had, you know, different journeys in getting to to where you are, but I'm curious as to um, if there's been a ritual in your life, be it yoga or meditation, that has really helped serve as a, like a stronghold for your life, like a solid foundation. Um, I think probably prayer, because I come from a very religious household growing up, I went to church like five days a week. There's just Baptists, so heavy, uh, heavy church, church stuff. Um, and I kind of transitioned away from going to church uh, when my parents divorced. And, you know, as anything, like you go through a journey of what your own, I guess, religious truth is or spirituality is. Um, and I've kind of come full circle now, I guess, at this point in my life back to, um, Christianity, but, you know, you always have questions about, especially organized religions, about what, you know, what, what their standards are for what's acceptable. And I don't buy into those so much as I do like the core um, beliefs, but praying was always something that I felt was like, not something that had to be formal um, and not always something that has to be shared. Like, it's kind of nice. Like we went to church on Sunday and it's nice to pray like as a community you know, but it, unless there's like a really powerful energy in the room, I've always felt like the most um, grounding thing for me is just like anywhere I am, I can pray. Like if I'm in a crisis situation or if I'm driving or um, in the shower or just, you know, like I don't think that you need to set up a whole thing just to have that moment. And um, so to me, like that's something that's always carried me like throughout throughout my life. And I find at certain points in my life where I felt like the darkest or the most empty is when I kind of either ignored that or felt a disconnect to that um, type of spirituality or was kind of denying that part of my life. So 
to me, that's kind of, that's a thread of uh, connection for me. Uh, for me, I, I've come along this journey to where I think when we're young, we're put into religion. And as we grow older, we have questions or different ideas and then we become spiritual. So I'm more spiritual than I am religious. I'm not religious at all. I'm spiritual. And what's been great for me in my life has always been union. So my union has always been basketball, being a part of a team, being a part of a union. And as you grow older, it becomes such a great reward that you want it more than just in sports. And that led me to yoga. And that union, yoga is union. And so that yoga and union for me now is yoga. So we actually go to yoga together. And we met in a really dark place, Joy and I. I had just been fired from the Phoenix Suns. And she was coming out of a relationship where she was single. Like, like most people, when you meet, you're single if you're single. And you come out of some relationship that was challenging or not. And it wasn't until probably the second or third week we were dating where we established going to yoga into our ritual for dating. So we started going twice a week and it became three times a week. And now we go five times a week. It's such a big part of who we are that I don't think you can even talk. We're, we're like hip hop yogis, right? <laughs> so I, I go, as you see me now, I have my hat on backwards. I have on my Jordans, right? But then I go to the yoga studio like this and it could be with like a, a, a Nike or a Jordan jump hoodie and I have my yoga shorts and like it's such a, a, a mixed breed of like culture, but that's who we are. We're hip hop yogis and it just is what it is. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, I want to talk to you guys more about that because I think it's so important to speak to the fact that to me, Miracles happen when you're in a dark place and you have you're open to the belief, right? You have to have that that openness that something or someone something will shift that darkness. And I feel like a lot of the time, especially in the day and age that we are now, where you know societally we're in a hate mongering culture, you know that doesn't make it easy for somebody that's going through something dark to come out of it, right? So I'm curious as to what, for you guys individually, what it was, how easy it was for you to identify that you were in the, pla in the place that you were in, and what was it that came in where you said, okay, it's time to shift it, and what did that look like? So a lot of times people listen to this podcast and they might be looking for some inspiration or maybe they're going through something. So I hope that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, this is going to sound probably a little sappy, but it was Earl. Like, I don't, I, I can, I always joke with him. Like, I remember the moment, I remember the moment that like, I was like, oh, I love him. And then... <laughs> And it was in the same. It was in the same place. Like I remember. I remember that moment. And then, like before that, um, just like it, it's it's like a movie. You know, like there's certain memories you have in your life where you can just see them so vividly. And um, you know, I mean, if it's a younger person, well, I guess you still have rewind. You can buffer backwards on YouTube. But like when you would rewind a tape, you know, like if you rewind it too much, you wear it out. Yeah. You know. Um, but we he invited me out. And we went, I met him at this uh, club in LA and I I'd, obviously we had talked before and I had seen him before, but every time I saw him, he was in a suit 
which I love, you know, who doesn't love, you know, a good looking man in a suit. But like the first this is the first time I'm seeing him like as he normally is. And I just remember seeing him and it was like, you know, clubs are dark and there's all kinds of stuff going on. There's people and there's noise. And I remember seeing him and there was just like this light over top of him. Like it's just sound, I know like it's a metaphorical light. Or no, no, no. Like I could see the light, <laughs> but there wasn't literally a light. You know what I mean? Okay. It's like that, like that's like in the movie where it's like you, there's a crazy scene, but you, they want you to focus on this one person. Yeah. So they, they do the light on them or, you know, it's just, that's really how it is. Like, it's like the, the poem, like of a sea of people, you know, I would always see you. And so it was just like literally this light on top of him. And then that night, just when we were talking and he said something crazy to me, which like is, is a crazy thing to say. What did I say? <laughs> what did I say? Um, Everyone we wants talking, to know. We were like having a conversation about getting to know each other. And I'm a lunatic, but I'm very accepting of how crazy I am, uh, which, which I think is the first step, right? Um, although I don't plan on curing myself of it. Um, I acknowledge that I am. And he's, we're talking and we're like getting to know each other and I'm in full defense mode because I am in this, you know, dark space. And, uh, but like in a dark space doesn't mean that you don't want to come out of it, you know, and that's why I say it's Earl because, you know, I, I was out, like out of my spiritual uh, alignment. alignment and had a lot of like negativity around me and a lot of negative people around me and... I was also healing from a lot of things, but I think you can still grow and you can still find redemption while you're healing. Cause I think we're all still healing. Like I don't think there's ever a point where anyone is just completely whole. You can be in a good space, but you have to always be uh, evolving. So anyway, I was in this space and it was hard for me to see, but I was like praying for, you know, relief, like praying for. What, what did I say? I'm, I'm leading up to it. So so I'm, I'm saying, explaining why I was so resistant to it because I'm, I'm in this mode where I'm like, no, no, like everything you're saying is no. Um, I don't want, um, like, can, can I curse? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Like love, <laughs> like love is bullshit and, um, like fuck love and relationships and whatever. And like, you know, the whole time I'm like, I hope he says something that kind of flips back. Like I'm just going to keep throwing this out there. And if he's like, yeah, 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 me too. I'm like, okay, cool. Like he's not serious about anything and I know who he is. Um, but he didn't, he was like, you know, I, I do want love and I do want a relationship and you know, all these things. And you know, he kind of asked me like, you know, are you, are you with anyone? And I was like, no. And he was like, well, it really doesn't matter. Cause I don't have time to be respectful. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> which is obviously not an appropriate or normal thing to say uh which would be right. so like most people would be like okay your reaction <laughs> and i'm like oh i kind of like that which shows what's wrong with me i guess but anyway that's that that's kind of that was it for me like that was a huge uh shift for me in in my life and i just kind of opened up to all yeah. things. So it almost, it took you out of the severity of where you were at. Right. It, it took you from that place of like, you were, you were like committed to just being like, fuck this. This isn't going to work. I'm like, right. Well, when you're in a dark space, sense. yeah, you, yeah. You, you become cynical, but you just, it's kind of a, it's a snowball effect. Right. Right. But like nothing rolls downhill forever. Right. So it's almost like when you crash, that's, that's the, the best time to rebuild. Yeah. Oh, I so. love what you said. That's, as Oprah would say, a tweetable moment. Nothing else. <laughs> well, that's true forever, right? So what was it for you, Earl? Uh, let me touch on this first. Right? <laughs> this, this night, like, just, um, 
I was in uh, a very creative space because everything was possible. And it was the first time I've ever been fired in my life. And at that time I was 37 years old and not only did I get fired, I got fired in front of the world. So that was like really tough for me to embrace. And the reason why I got fired wasn't a legitimate reason. But I think in life you have integrity, you have character, and you have the person that you look at every morning in the mirror. And that person you look at every morning in the mirror, you got to love that person enough to say, I respect you and I trust you. And that, that person mattered to me. So we both met in a dark space. Um, I was actually standing under a light because I knew it would look like I was lit okay. up angelically. So yeah. You know, it was strategically planned, you know, <laughs> wink, wink. But um, I really didn't care in that moment. And, and we talk about, you know, when you, how, do you, how can you be aware of where you are in a dark space? I think that goes back for us and for me personally, that's where yoga becomes yoga. It teaches, it teaches us mindfulness. And mindfulness isn't about awareness of yourself. You're not mindful until you're aware of strangers and their likes and discomforts and what can make their day better. So when I met Joy, it was no doubt in my mind that she was the person for me for the rest of my life. Her reaction to me became this beautiful um, masterpiece of imperfection because all masterpieces are imperfect. And I, I felt her words were so completely opposite of her soul. And this was a moment for me to say, hey, let's journey together. My favorite book is The Alchemist, right? And so many omens are going to come into your life. And I just knew the omen for me doing this trial and tribulation of being fired and recreating who I am in my career was the person I was going to be with for the rest of my life. If I don't get fired, I don't meet her. I didn't know her before then. I met her on her show to discuss why I got fired. <laughs> and that's how we met, right? It's just, it's supposed to be. So anyone who's listening and anyone who's in a dark place or we can't, it's just a saying I love, I can't tell you everything I don't know. It's impossible. But The Alchemist is a book that changed my entire mental programming that tells me that I am always going to look and be aware and be mindful of an omen that can lead me to positivity. Yeah. You can pass by a thousand flowers a day on your way to work. Plenty of roses, tulips, whatever you have and where you're from. If you're not mindful of finding them, you'll never see them. So you have to be mindful. So for me, I'm mindful. There's no, there's no exact strategy to being mindful. You just got to be open to positivity, open to love, open to growth, and open to revelation of yourself and who you really are. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so great. I, I can totally relate to that. And I think that just to bring it back into um, the yoga of it all, right, like the practice of it all is is so um, it's such an important thing to integrate because I think so many of us are living day to day from a mindless state, 
right? We're on like the autopilot system where we're just not paying attention, not paying attention, not paying attention. And then only when we're faced with a challenge, then we, it's like, we don't value our health until we're sick. Right. Right. It's like, oh, I'm sick. Oh, what is it like? I, I think about canker sores often because there's, you know, those little things that's like, that just really bother you, right? Like they happen and you're just like, ugh. And you don't ever notice it until you have something that's gnawing at you. Right. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm curious to ask you guys about, um, I relate yoga so much to relationships, right? Or being in a relationship, not just romantic relationship, but also the relationships that we have with, with the people around us. Um, and I feel like it's, being in a relationship, being in relationship is a spiritual practice, right? Because we have to be present. We have to be uh, selfless. We have to be um, aware. We have to take action. We have to nurture a relationship or else it dies. It's like a plant, right? So I'm curious of a couple of things in your guys' perspective, especially now in the world that we're in with dating, right? Like, apps and doing all these like you know random people are like in to like open relationships and all these things right i've been in a long-term relationship for 16 years you know so so i know what it takes to be in a relationship and how much work it is right but i think that right now and i think we're all around the same age you know and it's different for the younger generation and and the challenges that they're facing with cultivating a deep sense of connection. I love the fact that you guys met in person, that you guys met in the flesh, yeah. right? Um, so what what's your guys' take on modern relationships and how people are connecting now? Is it something that's working? Is it not? Like, what what do you guys see happening? And how, how can we bring yoga into relationships? That's a good hmm. question. Um, I think, I think like anything, uh, everything's temporary, right? So people that get really into trends uh, often get just as bored with them as quickly as they got into them. So, like, what what are the trends right now? You know, to be to meet uh, online. I don't think that that is a bad thing. I mean, it seems kind of foreign to us because, you know, even though I'm sure we've all met people online. It's not, you then eventually have to do the face-to-face right. communication. And communication, I think, in general is just shifted because you have to read into tones and text messages and that gets messed up and uh, you have to throw this emoji on here so you know that I'm really joking. And, like, there's, you know, communication, I think, in general has just changed for sure. So, I mean, as, as far as I, as I would relate it to, um, to yoga, like to me, yoga is a timeless practice, right? Like how long has it existed for? So in that same sense, communication is a, is a timeless practice and it's always changing and you're always getting better at it. You know, there's some poses I couldn't do in yoga that I can do, or even, um, we always talk about it because like our hips, both of us have really tight hips, which is where you supposedly hold a lot of your trauma. And, you know, you work on that and you work on, we talk about communication all the time and love languages and how you communicate and you have to get better at it. And some people are better at this kind of communication and that kind of communication. And some people like to communicate when they're in this state or that. I think it's just all connecting, you know, like being in a, in a flow, if you will, with that person. So I don't think that necessarily it's hard to 
connect with people just because you meet them online or just because, you know, Instagram, you can kind of create your own life or I don't know anything about, um, what is it, Tinder or anything like that. But I think there's probably a hard, it's harder time finding, I don't want to say that. Like I've always, I've always resisted to the idea. Like I lived in Miami for a long time, which some people could say is a superficial city. Obviously like Los Angeles is a superficial city from, you know, the outside looking in, even though there's really a lot of like culture and normal people here, a lot more than that than in Hollywood. But I think because there's so much of that like fluff and just uh, superficial stuff, it's kind of easier to find the realness because it's so obvious when you, when you see it. So I don't, I don't think that it's bad what's happening. Like everything is going digital. You know what I mean? If you just, all you have to do is pay attention to what kids are doing. Like that's, it's only going to continue, but it's just a matter of seeing what's real and separating it from the facade. And for me, that's all just about communication and connection. So as long as you're in tune with what you connect with, then it's just going to be as easy as it was when everybody had to go meet in person. Yeah. Well, can I have a follow-up question to that? I, I, like, I think I agree with that, and I, I think it's really important. What I find kind of interesting with the younger generation, I say the younger generation, it's like we're all, we're all in the same, we all have the same device of communication, right? right? We have a phone, we, we text. But do you think that it's taking away from our ability to learn how to have a conversation in person? Um, I think it can. I mean, we, he kind of jokes with me all the time. Like I text him all day. And then when I get home, we're like, what do we talk about now? Because <laughs> I know everything that he's done with his day. Whereas if like I couldn't talk to him all day, then when we'd see him at the end of the day, we'd have all this stuff to talk about. So I try to be more mindful of that, like those stuff that will happen in the moment that I'll, I'll like start texting him, like, no, I'll just wait till later and tell him later. Um, and I know he thinks I don't do that, but I really do do that because I know about, I know Drake makes him crazy. But yeah, I mean, there is, there is something to that for sure. I think being, uh, you know, face-to-face conversation and, you know, eye contact and feeling like the, you know, being able to feel the sense of the room and stuff. Um, you know, that can kind of get lost, but then it's just a matter of being conscious of it. You know what I mean? Like some people don't care. Some people just want to text back and forth all day long. Um, and you know, some can go eight hours and then not bother them. No, I'm not that person, but, um, you know, it's all about balance. Yeah. Okay. Earl, what's your take? You're going to have to remember the first question. Yeah, I I, I have it all. I think, um, three things when we are apart is text, it's phone call, and then it's FaceTime. That is Joy's order if I do not answer the phone. She will text me first, she will call me, and then FaceTime me, and I better pick up. Because if I don't, it's over. I don't want to be the, um, the older you know, person in the room that say, we used to. And I'm a big Earl Nightingale fan. And he talks about to lead the future, you have to lead from you know, the younger generation. If you lead from your generation, you're leading the dead, right? Because our wave has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about texting. There was a time when we could only write and we would send off a message. So I think there's beauty in the texting. I think it's a chance to, it's recreating the pen to the pad, but you're sending it through technology quicker. So if you wanted to write a, a beautiful note instead of, writing it on paper and mailing it, I can just send it. And there's beauty, so be creative with it. 
And then we talk about the person that just texts back and forth all the time. And that's why yoga is so important because it teaches you to breathe. And that person has never taken an inhale, exhale. They're like you said, they're like just mimicking yesterday. And then mimicking tomorrow is going to be the same as today. And then we have um, the ability to connect around the world through social media, which we've never had before. So I think all of that is beautiful. But it also comes a time when you have to prioritize who gets your energy. So I'm sorry, like if you if I if you're not my priority, you're not going to get the in person uh, phone call to end, or you might just get a text. So I'm going to keep you a certain distance because I have solidified who gets my energy every day. We only have 100 percent energy every day we wake up. Where are you putting your energy? Who are you investing your energy into and is it paying you dividends or are you just wasting it? So for us, a lot of our interaction was in person because we're in the same city. Now, when I continue and go back to coaching, we're going to be apart. So we have to be creative to keep the same synergy, but just change the way we communicate. And hopefully every once in a while or a lot of times, we can still get that connectivity in person because it's nothing like a, the power of a touch, the power of a hug, the power of just the presence of souls and energies all in one room. That's to me is, is most powerful. Yeah, I like that. I want to, I, I totally agree. I, I want to go back to something that you said about the time. And I love Earl Nightingale. I, I love those lessons and, and reading and hearing them and they're just, they're incredible. So, um, you said something so poignant, and, and I want to be able to, to talk about it and, and hear your guys' thoughts on this idea of time, because we are in a world of instant gratification. We send a text, we want a response, like we look on our browser, we want it to pop up. It's like, if we can't even wait anymore. Now it's like, why is this taking so long to load? What right. is the and, you know, not, not to go back in the my day, but, you know, dial up, like we had to wait. Right. <laughs> right. We had to wait for it to like come up. So one of the things that we practice in yoga is um, uh, this idea of sankalpa, of setting an intention, right? Sankalpa, you go to a class and the teacher might say, set your intention or set your sankalpa for your practice. And it's, it's an intention. It's actually more intense of, of a resolution. So san means the highest right? So of the highest. And kalpa means a vow. So essentially it's, it's asking for you to set a vow. And kalpa is also related to kala, which is time. So it's a vow of the highest that's going to go over the course of time, right? So this idea of having to wait or cultivating something over a long period of time, I feel like is also something that we, in our modern day society, we tend to forget that things take time. It's like getting to know somebody takes time, you know, doing, doing these practices, getting better at yoga, learning a different pose takes time. And you know, especially as a, as a coach, it's like somebody doesn't get good overnight. What happens? They do it over a long period of time. And so I, I'm curious as to how if you have a sankalpa that you're working with now, if you have something that you're working on now or have something that you've been working on for a long time, um, what it is, and or if there's something that you've set uh, into motion 
in, in the in, as of late um, that you'd like to see come to fruition? Something that's going to be worth waiting for. Um, I mean, I think for me, like the biggest thing with uh, with yoga, especially like it's funny that you said the intention thing because it's hard to separate, right? Like if you do uh, say an hour long class. You know, like you have this crazy day and you try and like calm down and get centered and focused to do this class. And like in your mind are all these things and, you know, I have to take care of this and I have to take care of that. And you don't bring your phone in the studio and it's like this whole disconnection, right, from the, the outside world, which you don't really get in, you know, some other, I guess, workouts or things that you do. You know, like if you're in the gym, you can still be on your phone and whatever. So for me, I have a really bad anxiety which I've struggled with for a long time. And it, you know, it varies. Anyone who has anxiety knows what I'm talking about. Like it can be anything from like, shit, did I leave the flat iron on? Like the house is probably burning down or like I burned a hole in the, ca- the counter or like, you know, the stove might still be on from two days ago. Or like, what if I didn't lock the car? Like you just start, your mind just starts going and it's like this, it's this horrible feeling. You can't even describe it. Like it's in the center of everything you do and you are. And it can be something so small to something huge, you know, like, do I, uh, you know, have cancer or, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, there's a whole spectrum of it. And for me, yoga has really helped me with that a lot. Um, yoga and just really like what I've been working on at least for the past year. And I'm just starting to feel like I'm getting results is to just, it's, you can't block anxiety out like that. If it was that easy, then just no one would have anxiety about anything because it's just, as irrational as it is to think I left the flat iron on when I know I unplugged the flat iron, it's like you, your mind doesn't work that way. And it's, it's anxiety is so much a part of like your emotion as it is your mind that it's like it's constant clash and whatever strongest that day will win. So some days you'll beat it and some days you won't. And for me, yoga has been like crucial when I get in the room and I'm laying there and all these things start popping up for me to just like breathe through it and just know like at the end of the day, like I see that everything is temporary, but like it, you can't fix it. Like I'm not leaving this room no matter what. So whatever it is that's happening is just going to happen and I'm going to deal with it afterwards. So for whatever this 60 minutes or 90 minutes or 30 minutes is like, this is just a time where I'm just going to focus on what's happening in this room. And if you carry that out into your life, like if you have anxiety, that's like a practice that you can apply when thing, when you start worrying and you start overthinking and your mind, you start like having like you feel like you're about to have a panic attack or an emotional breakdown. Just remember, like nothing is ever as bad as you think it is, and because if it was, and you know, you would just plan for it. And everything is temporary. So this feeling that you're having of negativity is temporary. The feeling that you're having of positivity is temporary because everything is a constant moving wave affecting everything else in the entire universe. Is like macro as that is. So for me, that's that's kind of an intention that I've been working on because trauma can a lot of times manifest in anxiety and you know some people need medication or whatever but to, to me I think centering yourself and just that that's work for me anyway so yeah thank you Earl uh for me um it's it's always the same and I I said this before yoga to me first started out to benefit my career as an NBA player I played 13 years and it was physical. And then the more I saw the physical results, the more I went. And then it became mental. 
like, oh, mental toughness is, is putting me in positions I'm uncomfortable. I'm learning how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And now I'm at a point where I've been going consistent. Routine is the key to anything successful. Now I've been going so long routinely that it's spiritual. And it's evolved to that. Everything evolves. So for the longest time, it's been freedom. Because I'm so highly competitive, I become attached to expectations. And one of my favorite books is Be Here Now by Ram Dass. And he talks about how you need to be unattached. You can't have a subject-object relationship. You need to just journey. You need to feel. You need to just, just be. Like, be here now. That's all that matters. So yoga, when we practice, we go into the yoga studio together. We, we have, you know, the key fobs where you check in and they're on my keys. So if I ever go without her, the first thing they say is, where's Joy? <laughs> oh, she's at work. <laughs> you know, it's just, we're so used to going together, but we don't practice next to each other. Because we need to give each other enough space to say, I love you. You can go over here. She has her space. Her, face, her space is, you know, mid-left. I kind of go mid-right closest to the door to get fresh air when it's too hot because we do hot yoga. And that's just how we, that's just how we practice. But we always sometimes, well, sometimes we always find each other in the mirror and we're like catch eye contact and smile just to let each other know like we're here, you know? So we have this beautiful harmony. It's imperfect. We can't tell anyone how to have a 16 year relationship because I think we've only been 16 months. <laughs> so, so we're in the beginning wave of it, but we're journeying together. Same difference. I'll go. I'll, I'll actually speak to that, but continue. <laughs> so it's like we're we're journeying together, and kind of like our journey together is just beginning. So we are still vibrating to create a frequency to where we become more mindful of each other, more mindful of you know what builds each other up because it's different. What builds me is not going to build her. And we have to learn each other and not expect the same result that we want for ourselves. And then stay unattached because this is beautiful. I forgot to tell you this. So Coach Wooden, who is legendary UCLA basketball coach, 10 straight national championships. I was talking to my friend who used to spend a lot of time with Coach Wooden. I spent a lot of time with Coach Wooden. And he always talked about his wife. His wife at that time was deceased. I was at UCLA from 97 to 2001. And I would go visit him on the weekends. And every Sunday, he would write his wife a love letter who was deceased. He would fold it up, put it in an envelope, and put it in a box underneath his bed. So my friend was telling me how he was over there before. And he asked him, why are you not married yet? And he said, coach, for some reason, women of today, you know, we have people of today. Women of today, they just want this and they need that and it's too much. He goes, no. He's like, and he put out a card. His wife and him should write each other cards, right? He put out the card and the card said, this is so powerful. It's going to help us, trust me. I know you're waiting to see what it's going to say. <laughs> and the card says, don't try to understand me. Just love me. Mm. Don't, don't uh me right now. <laughs> <laughs> that was joy. Uh. And, 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 he, and he's telling me this story, and I know that's an omen for me. That's my omen because I've been successful at understanding everything. 
right? But I can't worry about understanding the partner that I want to spend the rest of my life with. I just have to love her. And maybe that not just maybe it's not just her. Maybe it's also our lives. Maybe we can't and we don't need to try to figure out our life. We just need to love that we have a life. Love that we have a moment. Love that we have the opportunity and become unattached from the results. If that makes sense. Oh, that's to- that makes total sense. Don't hold this against me. Don't, don't, don't be like bring this home like Coach Wooden said. No, no, no. It's in, the, it's in there. She put it Women in. have filing cabinets yep. of stuff. That's in the, true. that's in file one. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's beautiful. I mean, that, to me, you know, just going back to what you said, like, what I've learned after being in a relationship for this long and being young, like young, when we started dating, I mean, it's really, I would say it's probably my first and only real relationship that I've ever had, um, has been to just keep the new the newness never goes away like that feeling that excitement that love that doesn't go away sometimes you forget it when people act a certain way <laughs> uh, but but it's always there and i think that that's the beauty of a lasting relationship is keeping that and i think that you said something so key about not trying to make any not trying to figure it all out i think that's where we get fucked up right because we we want to figure out everything we forget it's like no you don't have to figure anything out this person came into your life this is your this is your beloved they are the love of your life now and you have to just treat them as such and give them the space to have their own experience and your job is to love them 100 percent, no matter what that's your only job and if you think about it in those terms it it releases the problem is we, we get into attachment right with like this is how I want you to make me happy, right? This is how I want you to create this for me. And anytime I've ever experienced that, um, it never works because it's like that you can't, that that's, you're externalizing your happiness and your happiness has to come from within, right? It comes from you, from your connection to God or source or whatever higher power of your understanding. So when you're connected to that, that's why I think being in a relationship is the most spiritual thing that we could do because it really teaches us that, that bond and that surrender and that faith to be like, wow, this person is my, my, my twin flame. They're my, they're my, my heart, my, my breath, my everything. And to honor that person just like that is you honoring the divine within yourself. Right? Yeah. It's a book um, he actually had that I read. It's, a, it's like I have it in my backpack right now. It's called The Way to Love. And that's all it talks about is just not being attached to something, which is very difficult, especially, you know, we're talking about like how things are today. Everything is like, this is mine and I, this is mine and this, is, this belongs to me. And it's like you can't, like the trees don't ask for anything in return when they give a shade, right? Like they just are. Like a flower just is. You know, it doesn't ask for anything in return. And being being giving, I think, is the biggest part of a successful relationship, any relationship, is, is understanding the person and understanding, like, everything changes. Like, you change. Why wouldn't your partner change? Or why wouldn't your friend change? Or your mother change? Or, you know, t- to me, like, relationships are, you know, people always look at romantic relationships as they should be something separate from any other kind of relationship that you have in your life, like your relationship with your best friend. 
It's a powerful relationship, but that relationship isn't the same as it was, you know, your childhood best friend who you are now, because you guys aren't kids anymore. Right. And those are the relationships that, that kind of grow apart, like the person that you both change and you have nothing in common anymore. You have to accept the change just as in yourself as you do with someone else. So that, to me, like, that's what attachment is. Like, don't assume that that person needs to be what you've created them in your mind yeah. to be. Well, and it's it's conditional love. It's not unconditional love, right? Right. It's conditional in the sense of you do this, you do this, or I'm not going to love you, right? Well, and it's it also ties into the the expectation of it all. And like I love my teacher always says, expectation is just premeditated resentment. Yeah. Right. Right. Because it's like I'm premeditated because I'm going to resent you because you're not going to you're not doing what I expect you to do. Yeah. And even if they do, there's always going to be that. It's like never going to be enough. Right, it's never gonna be enough un- until you feel you're enough, right? Man, we can talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to ask you guys one one more question with regard to just this idea of of relationships and how to be responsible for the energy that you're bringing into the world. And and both of you have had um, very successful careers in your own right, and um, you've you've done the work to get to where you are. To this date, um, so my question is with regard to and and Joy, you you kind of brought this up a little bit with regard to the people around you. Um, I, I grew up around a loving environment, but not necessarily always supportive. Right? It was like pop, it's like poppy syndrome, right? Tall poppy syndrome is um, so when when poppies grow, they grow all at the same height. If one starts to grow a little bit above the others, the root system of the others will come down and pull it down so that it's all the same. So I kind of grew up in an environment like that where it's like, we want you to be successful, but just not too much because then that means that I have to show up in right. some way, right? Um, so have, have either of you guys had that experience and or if you've had it, how have you been able to um, cultivate friends or people in your life because joy you mentioned earlier that you when you were in that dark place you were maybe not around the best people or it was just kind of one of those things so i'm curious as to how you came out of that or what you did or didn't do how you were able to identify that and maybe any advice you could give the people that are listening that are maybe in that same same spot um i think i think the best way to see um what what people are around you for um, is when you do come out of that space, um, it, it's like the, the idea of boundaries, right? So when you are no longer doing what you were doing before, are they angry at you for that? Because then you know that whatever you were doing before when it wasn't serving you was serving them. So to me, that's the easiest way because you're going to have people around you and you're not going to be able to see their intentions all the time. Um, you know, it can be anyone. It can be your family. Um, it can be your best friends. It can be your, um, your coworkers or your partners. It can be your actual partner. And everyone goes through ups and downs in life, right? Like you, you see the best and the worst of people in the worst times, right? So when you transition out of whatever it is that you're struggling with, when you start saying, well, I don't do that anymore, or, you know, I'm not going there anymore, I don't, you know, talk to this person anymore, whatever, and 
they become angry with you or they're disappointed in you, then you know that person either didn't have your best intention in mind or they're still in that space. So you have to set a boundary with that person. It's, it's, just, it's just boundaries to me. Like if people are not okay with you setting up boundaries, then they're not a positive influence around you. So it's not about some, always people like trying to hold you down. Like sometimes the harsh advice is to lift you up. And you have to know the difference between somebody like who's just trying to hate on you and be like, oh, you shouldn't do that because they will feel inadequate if you do it. Or if they're telling you you shouldn't do that because you really shouldn't do that. And they have your best intentions at heart. And that's, that's hard to navigate because, for, I mean, I'm a, I think I'm a trusting person. I always try to see the light in people first, which is probably not the best way to be, but it's just kind of how I'm wired. And that is, to me, the, the best way to see it. So sometimes you don't see it right away, but when you do see it, it'll be very clear because you're, not in a, you're, in, you're in a good space and you're happy and you're thriving and someone will try to put you back in that space. And when you say no, their answer should be, oh, great, you know, whatever makes you happy. But if the answer is not that, you have your answer. I think for me, um, I've been very blessed to have the opportunities in life, whether it was negativity that molded me to think a certain way or positive environments, and it's been 50-50. I didn't grow up with a lot. Um, I'm Afro-Latino. My dad is obviously African-American. My mom is first-generation Mexican-American. Um, High school suspended 13 times, expelled once, and still I ended up at UCLA for an opportunity to attend a prestigious university and play basketball. I was their at-risk student that they took a chance on. And it wasn't until I changed my environment that I began to value who I was more. And the change of environment led me to believe I was capable of something more. It, it became this chance for me to fall in love with the person in the mirror that I see every morning versus being so afraid of who that person in the mirror was becoming in negative environments. Now, I had a supportive family. I had supportive relatives. And my entire community wasn't bad, but the things that were bad in my community was so extreme, it impacted me psychologically. So here I am now. Um, I feel like I'm still on my journey. I'm not yet defined. And when you talk about, you know, other people and, you know, people that bring you down or people that lift you up, I think no matter who you go around, whether you're successful, beyond successful, or on your way, or trying to become and figure out, you have to remember that we're all fighting inner battles that we don't talk about. We all have dark secrets that really internally kind of, it bothers us. So how can we influence everyone's life that we come across in a positive way where when you walk away, they feel like they're better than before you approach them? And then when you walk away, they look and say, oh, that's him or that's her? Wow. And it's not just the people who are important. 
It's the people who, I used to clean buildings with my mom. I used to clean commercial buildings on the weekends, every Friday night, just so I could have money to travel and play AAU basketball in the summer. And we would vacuum these buildings and we would, you know, do pick up the trash, change the trash cans. And I remember how people treated us. They treated us like we were third class citizens. And I remember like, and it was something in me that was like, one day I'm going to come back and buy this building and I'm going to cancel all your fucking contracts. <laughs> like, that's just how I felt. And it moved me, but I never forgot that. So here I am now in life where I'm, I'm financially fine, but I never forget where I came from. I never forget. You never know who's going to become who in life. And you don't treat them right because they might become someone. You treat them right because we are spirits having a human experience. It's never the other way around. And once you realize that, that whatever happens in this life has to be with positive light because you can't take it with you anyway. So what are we really attached to? Can't be attached to the human side of life. We have to be like focused and have a perspective on spirituality and how we all beyond race, color, gender, religion, we all are a spirit that is going to unify somewhere else later. So I think perspective is everything. And I think giving, loving, and serving are three things that has kept me grounded when everything seemed chaotic. So great. I can like talk, to, this is like going to church. <laughs> like I could sit here and talk forever. Um, oh, that's so good. I have two final questions for you guys. And I'm, I'm so happy that we're having this conversation because now I'm just thinking, you guys need to come back and we need to talk about this topic, <laughs> this topic. So I, I'd like you both to answer this question individually. What has been your um, consistent mantra if you've had one your entire life? Or maybe it's something that you've believed from a young age that still stands true to this day that has been a, a self-affirmation. That you've had? Um, I came from a, a very abusive uh, childhood with a lot of uh, chaos and um, just negativity and kind of just survival on many levels, but just the base level is just uh, emotional, constant fear. So with that comes like a sense of inadequacy um, and I think for me, like one thing I've attached to, I was, uh, I was like suicidal right around 12. And I remember having this moment where, uh, like normally, you know, a little kid, uh, will be afraid to like go out in the dark, you know, and I had to take the garbage out once and, um, you know, I didn't grow up in a horrible neighborhood, but it's not in the best neighborhood. Um, and I'm by myself, I'm taking the garbage out, it's super dark out, and I just had no fear of anything happening to me. Like, I didn't care. It, it, I was like, you know, there's this random person walking down the street that could grab me. Like, I didn't care what happened. Because it's just like anything, nothing could be as bad as what it's inside the house. So I think in that moment, I was like, no matter what, no matter what, no one's ever going to be able to just defeat me. Like I, I'm, I'm, I know that I'm capable and I'm different and 
I have something and no one else has. And I think it was just like that, that click of just having no more fear of anything, which is, it was a, a negative thing. I just transitioned to like, no matter what happens, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to succeed. Like there's in whatever it is that I want to do, I'm going to succeed. And I've just kind of always um, attached to that because I think it's like you just mentioned, like people trying to bring you down and things like that. Everyone deals with that. Everyone in the whole world has people around them who've told them they're not good enough or, um, you know, tried to literally do things to keep them from reaching their potential. And I think if you, it's like you said, you have to make yourself happy. Like you have to believe in yourself. Like I always um, tell people when I give them like career advice or anything else, it's like if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else is going to believe in yourself. People can feel confidence. And even if you, even if you literally can't, I mean, you see stories all the time of these incredible feats by people that otherwise would never be able to do that. People have been told they're never going to walk again and then go and play sports at a high level like you see all kinds of things like that and it's just the power of the mind you have to convince yourself every day of whatever it is that you want to accomplish and um I think for me uh that was like a turning moment where I was like okay nothing nothing can stop me which is I don't know if it makes sense but no it totally makes sense that made me emotional that like oh that really got me because I think that that to me, that that's kind. Of, that's what your soul comes into this world to do. Like that's your soul speaking. That that level of um, not even just tenacity, but just like resolve. That like that just knowingness. It's like that warrior spirit, right? That's just like I. This is me. This is what I'm here to do. Right. You know. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, for me, I've always had this fight. Uh, growing up, growing up biracial, I was raised in a house in a culture which was Mexican American, but outside my house was predominantly African American. So inside my house, we had Latino way of growing up, Latino food, um, chorizo for in the morning. My mom would send me to the bus stop with burritos, chorizo, potatoes, and beans. <laughs> And here I am with in all my, and with, here I am with all, in the foil, yep. wrapped up, mm-hmm. and here I am with all my African-American friends asking me what the hell is that? So, you know, I'm breaking them off pieces of the burrito, and they love it so much, I'm coming back with four burritos the next day to the bus stop, right? Just, I'm like, I'll let you have one of these if you let me, you know, borrow, like, your He-Man. And they're like, cool, you can take my He-Man and my WWF, you know man doll and you can have I'm like cool I'm I'm like you know leveraging burritos but I've never fit I've never fit into a community when I would go visit my grandmother who was an undocumented citizen it was in a predominantly Mexican-American neighborhood they saw me as black and then when I go outside they saw me as Mexican so I never fit. And then I play a predominantly black sport, which is basketball. And every basketball at a high level is going to run through the hood, the inner city. I really didn't fit. I'm in the game, drilling down a court as a third grader. I hear parents yelling, you know, pick them up, play defense. And I hear my mom yelling in Spanish, like, mio, 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 tirale, tirale. So like, I've never fit. And then that led to me getting in trouble in school because I, I was having problems at predominantly African-American schools. 
And that's why we'll always get in trouble and get suspended out of the fight. So that part of me became the renegade part. And then as I got to school at UCLA and I started to evolve in my education and had success in the NBA and started creating real estate and started creating platforms for Latinos, uh, you know, giving back to a preschool that was named after me and my in the neighborhood I grew up and all these travel teams and, you know, you know, programs for the community that became legit. And we just recently started a, a hip hop yogi line called Renegade Legit because we this is this is who we've been our whole lives. We've been renegades where we've been imperfect and edgy and felt like we didn't belong. And then we also been legit to where we came in and we did things that were successful and we on these platforms and people celebrated our merit. If only you knew the fabric behind all of that in the DNA is the most imperfect thing in the world. We just were resilient enough to be put into a corner and realized all we need was a little bit of light. We don't need all the light. We just need a little bit of light. You give us a little bit of light and we will create a platform where you have to acknowledge us. The minute you focus on the darkness, your vision is blinded. It's over. It's dead. Focus on that little bit of light. And we all have it. And we love we love the environment you provided for us. This has been great. Even for our relationship, it's been great. You have no idea. And, and it's, it's so good. Our plus one entourage, it was so... It was so, you know, the, the, soothing. The, the soothing that he just took a nap and woke up with his hand up like he's in church. <laughs> and we're going to make him pay offering a little bit <laughs> just for sitting here. But we appreciate you. We love it. Everything you're doing is all light and energy. And it's, it's a blessing to be here. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't expect that at the end. No, that was that was so great. And um, as I said, I mean, I can sit here and talk to you guys for the whole afternoon. I... I want to ask you guys one, the final question, and I ask this to all my guests. Um, it's been so uh, inspiring. I, I always love interviewing people in person because it just creates a certain level of intimacy and connection. And it, to me, these conversations give me life. And so that's why I started the podcast. Stop it, Chewy. <laughs> that's why I started the podcast was because I wanted to be able to share these conversations with people because they're so um, inspiring and impactful and you know and, and I get to learn stuff and initially I'm like I just want to have conversations with really great people and I want to have the excuse that it's a podcast you know I'm like really it was just like selfish but now it's just turned into something so much more beautiful and, and vast and I'm, I'm so grateful so the final question is it's with regard to the podcast, and uh, so radically loved is this idea that we are uh, radically loved by God or Source or whatever higher power of your understanding is that the universe works for us and not against us, and the idea is that we are radically loved, we are radically supported, and so the final question to you both uh, is, how do you feel radically loved? You can answer individually. Um, I think it's just a kind of a part of who I, who I am in general. Like it takes, uh, it takes a lot, uh, to deal with me, <laughs> um, let alone to, to love me. Um, and 
So I think any, I'm, I'm grateful for all of the, the love and support that I've received. It all feels special to me. Um, I think the, I, I feel empathy for people who don't see um, the support and the, the gifts that they have around them. I think we all fall in that from time to time. We get selfish or we get, um, you know, absorbed in the moment and we don't appreciate, you know, we don't have gratitude for the little things and just uh, the conversations and moments and, you know, experiences we have with people. But to me, I think um, everyone just has their own unique journey, you know. So I've felt, I've grown, you know, growing up in a religious household, you have a certain sense of like, you know, of higher power or whatever. And so you feel, uh, you know, a love from, from that or from the universe in general um, and kind of feel touched in your own way. I think, I think it's important to recognize that. Like when you don't feel like you're loved, to tap into that most of all. Um, so I, I think I'm just, I'm a unique person um, and I'm difficult and uh, very crazy. Um, so I get radical, I guess. So, yeah, so I think any, you know, any, any love that I receive is, is that to me. I don't, I don't think you're difficult to love. I think you're easy to love and you're complex, which is the beauty in you. Right. So for me, though, um, I've been through a lot in life. And I've been very, very um, blessed to have certain people come into my life. And I believe that the universe is always for me. If I want something bad enough and I become attached to an idea, if it's not good, the universe will not manifest it. And I got to be open to accepting that. And in some way, it's always something better along the way. I just can't see it yet. And when you have that perception or you have that experience in life and you have moments where you feel like it's the darkest days in your life and you lost those you love most or things were stripped from you as a child, whether it's innocence or just abuse, and you still can love, that's when I think you are truly walking in your journey of enlightenment. And the great thing about these journeys is there's no such thing as a destination. There's no such thing as when you get your dream job, it's over. That journey continues. Um, the same as love, the same as relationships, the same as success in business. You're a continuous evolvement of your own ideas and vivid imagination. So radically love to me is the ability to have imagination, the ability to give and accept love. And for me, I've been very blessed to have all of those wrapped into my entire experience of life thus far. Thank you. You guys, thank you so much for coming to my house and for doing this and for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and your hearts. I, I'm just, as I said, I'm so inspired and grateful to have this forum and to have people like you to be able to ask questions and share your knowledge with everybody. 
Um, for the people that are listening to this podcast, where can they go to connect with you guys individually? I, I have a podcast also. It's the Maybe I'm Crazy podcast. I mentioned that a few times today. Um, <laughs> Maybe I'm Crazy podcast, um, which you can watch on YouTube and uh, all podcast forms. Um, it's, it's a mainly sports pop, pop culture podcast. And um, I also do a daily show on FS1. Um, I co-host with Colin Cowherd. It's called The Herd. Um, and that's weekdays from uh, well, 12 p.m. to 3 Eastern time. Um, so you can reach me there, or I'm on all social media platforms at Joy Taylor Talks. I think for me, just social media, I don't do Twitter. I do it once every six months. Mm-hmm. Even though I got my most followers on Twitter, I don't know what they're waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tweet. But Instagram, Earl J. Watson, uh, and, you know, somewhere in Joy's Instagram pictures, I would be tagged. <laughs> somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, for those of you listening, all of those links, uh, including Joy's show, shows, will be on the show notes of this particular podcast. So if you're listening to this, hit the info button and all of those links uh, will be on there. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to share? What's this renegade? Tell me about that. Renegade that legit. Um, you know, we fell in love with you. Uh, we're in the process of putting together, like, I guess, designing the clothes um, because we feel like, obviously, being, you know, Afro-Latino, I want to put our culture mixed to yoga clothes. And we really want to open up a studio. Like, we want to open up a yoga studio, a place of community, not just a pra- place of practice. And that's just our synergy. And that's, I guess that's the beauty of yoga. Like, it led us into being a part of the entire fabric and DNA of what it really does. Yeah, and I think um, for like on a, a cultural level, level, I'm biracial also, black and white, and I think uh, yoga can sometimes feel like an elitist thing, you know, especially certain parts of the country. I'm from Pittsburgh, he's from Kansas City. Um, you know, just now is yoga starting to become like a thing in Pittsburgh. I think a lot of people in my hometown would be like, oh, all of it does yoga. Um, you know, you went to Cali and got Hollywood, even though that's not where I started doing yoga. But, but it's, you know, it's, it's still kind of a, a niche thing to people. You don't yeah. see the connection in yeah, it yeah, yeah. Um, and benefits of it. And um, especially for like women of color. I mean, I, when I first started doing yoga, I had hair extensions in. So hot yoga is a once a week thing because I'm not trying to get my hair done every other day. And I can't be walking around with this sweaty head. So like there's, there's a lot of disconnections, I think, like culturally that you know i want to speak to and open up and you know make it available to everybody and make it you know more not a mainstream thing but something that people don't feel like uh they need to be the best at or they need to know everything about to or they have to have it for a specific purpose or it's like a religion or something you know what i mean just kind of break down those barriers so it can benefit more people well, thank you guys. Thank you for sharing. I just wanted to drop that in there. Yeah. You mentioned it and I was like, we need to touch on this. Um, okay. Thank you guys so much. Thank for you for everything. having us. I appreciate you guys so much. Guys. No, thanks for having us. We do it again. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. And thanks to Chewy. <laughs> thanks to Chewy. Hey everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this. So please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.